Greetings, everyone. I'm Gabby Pierce, Director of Member Relations and ASHP Staff Liaison to the Section of Specialty Pharmacy Practitioners here at ASHP. Thanks for joining. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature on specialty pharmacy from the exceptional programming at the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, best practices, and leadership advice at the world's largest gathering of pharmacists. So, um, you know, persons who are immunocompromised, um, who are being considered for live vaccines, and there are certain scenarios they come across this, I know I have in the past, that, you know, you just have to vaccinate, what do you do? So really, the, one of the most important points is looking at the half-life of the immunosuppressive medication and seeing, can you take them off that medication, not just, in, you know, for one half-life, but until the medication is completely gone, and also to factor in how long it takes really for the B cells and T cells, depending on what, um, which one's being affected by medication, to come back or rebound. Um, typically, you want to allow two to four weeks post-vaccination for the immunization to take place. And again, here you're assuming that the patient can go without the medication, without the immunosuppressive medication for that long. Again, that runs the risk of their um, underlying disease rebounding and causing issues. So it is a risky um, situation. The person, you know, may have, you know, rebound, whether it's UC or, you know, what other, um, you know, indication that they have for the immunosuppressive, but in order for them to get a vaccine that truly is needed, that is active. And again, going back to our case, um, just reinforcing it, it was option C or three. So persons who are considered for non-active um, or what, you know, non-live vaccines, um, really the efficacy or the effectiveness of the, of the vaccination is dependent on the given medication. So if an interruption is um, in the medication, the immunosuppression medication um, is okay, then you can consider holding the medication for two to four weeks um, post-vaccination to ensure time for immunization. Keep in mind here, this is, oh, whoops, this is only if the person hasn't received um, the immunosuppressive medication already. If they've received it already, then you need to factor in is how long will it take for that person to clear the medication and for your T cells to really kind of rebound or B cells to rebound, and then count in the two to four weeks after that for the antibodies to be produced. Um, definitely plan and management of um, adverse you know, reactions just because, again, immunosuppressed patients are at higher risk of adverse effects from any vaccination. So to set the stage for this portion, I'd like to start off with the patient case. So we have Sarah, and she is our specialty pharmacist, and she works in an outpatient inflammatory bowel disease clinic, or IBD clinic. She works collaboratively with the gastroenterologists and other members of the IBD clinic team to educate and help obtain access to specialty medications for patients with IBD. We have Adam, and he's our patient. He's a 29-year-old male that was recently diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is a form of IBD. He presents to clinic to see Dr. A, um, and he's been on a steroid taper. Dr. A is his gastroenterologist and would like Adam to start on adalimumab, which is a TNF inhibitor indicated to treat moderate to severe Crohn's disease. So now Dr. A is approaching Sarah in the clinic and asks her to educate Adam on the new biologic medication and assist with insurance approval. So Sarah, is 
preparing to enter the patient's room where Adam is located. And I just kind of want you to think about uh, what is Sarah's role in providing vaccine education for Adam at this point in his specialty patient journey. So just want to start off with the role of the specialty pharmacists in vaccinations. According to the World Health Organization's immunizations prevent 3.5 to 5 million deaths, um, million deaths each year. Immunization is a key component to human care, which is why a primary role of the specialty pharmacists in vaccinations is to promote patient safety. Although vaccines save millions of lives each year and tremendous progress has been achieved, uh, unfortunately, vaccination rates have um, recently been declining and have actually um, plateaued with the COVID-19 pandemic. And a central role of the pharmacists in vaccinations is to educate patients on vaccines that they are eligible for, as we are one of the most accessible and trusted healthcare professionals. After educating patients on vaccines, specialty pharmacists are uniquely positioned to recommend and advocate for receipt of appropriate vaccinations. 80% of patients have reported that they are more likely to receive a vaccine if it is recommended by one of their healthcare professionals, which includes pharmacists. As promoters, pharmacists can improve patients' confidence in vaccines. Pharmacists are authorized to administer vaccines in all 50 states. So it's another one of our role to administer appropriate vaccines when it's feasible to help improve vaccination rates. Lastly, it is the role of the specialty pharmacist to follow up with patients regarding their vaccination status. Monitoring is needed to ensure patients receive their recommended vaccines and also stay on schedule for additional needed doses. Now that we've uh, reviewed that it's our role to educate, recommend, and administer vaccines to patients, what do we do when a vaccine recommendation is not accepted? The SAGE workgroup on vaccine hesitancy was established in 2012 and defined vaccine hesitancy as any delay in acceptance or refusal of vaccination despite availability of vaccination services. The three C's model was first developed by the World Health Organization and includes three categories for vaccine hesitancy. This is confidence, complacency, and convenience. Confidence includes the trust in vaccine effectiveness and safety the system that delivers them, and motivations of policymakers who decide on the need of vaccines. Vaccine complacency exists where perceived risks of vaccine-preventable diseases are low, and vaccination is not deemed as a necessary preventable action. The third C is convenience, which is a significant factor when uh, physical and geographical availability, affordability and willingness to pay, and ability to understand vaccines affect their uptake. So it's just important to understand vaccine hesitancy when educating patients on immunizations, and it's helpful when developing interventions to improve vaccination rates. I wanna further outline some barriers to immunization that pharmacists may encounter in practice. There are three categories for barriers, and the first is with our patients. This may include misconceptions and affecting their beliefs about vaccinations, reducing vaccine uptake. Patients and their caregivers may not have access to vaccines due to financial or geographical reasons. Patients may have concerns about the risks and benefits of vaccines, leading to a delay or rejection in immunizations. And lastly, vaccine schedules can be confusing as many vaccines come in a series of doses. The second category for barriers is with the provider. 
There may be gaps in knowledge of vaccine indications, contraindications, and side effects, which can negatively impact ability to recommend and educate our patients. Secondly, staying up to date with current vaccine schedules and recommendations through continuing education can be difficult. Time and lack of immunization records and connectability between healthcare systems are also barriers. The third category is system barriers. The most clear barrier within any system is with the supply, distribution, and storage of vaccines. Cost can also be a barrier where vaccines are not subsidized or provided free of charge. A lack of reminder in immunization workflow systems is also a barrier at the system level, which prevents institutions from easily knowing when patients are due for vaccine follow-up. One way to combat patient barriers to vaccination is by having patient-centered conversations about their vaccine history and personal beliefs and creating an open discussion between the pharmacist and the patient about their recommendations and reasoning behind their recommendations. It's important to acknowledge and address patients' concerns, listen to their beliefs, understand their knowledge of vaccines, and attempt to correct any misconceptions. At the system level, you can work with your physicians and other members of the healthcare team at your institution to ensure recommendations and goals are aligned. You can discuss with your organization about creating vaccine standing orders and a reminder system to help provide rapid vaccination services. It's important to evaluate the opportunities available for vaccine immunization rates, whether that's in a clinic or an outpatient pharmacy setting at the health system. And then lastly, it is crucial to complete routine vaccine training and education to stay up to date on the latest recommendations and products. So here I've outlined just a couple strategies to help improve vaccination rates. The first is to integrate clinical pharmacists into outpatient specialty clinics. We know that physician time is limited at each appointment and patients may actually more frequently follow up with their specialty pharmacy and specialty pharmacists more often than their routine office visits. We can utilize specialty pharmacists in the clinic setting to discuss vaccine recommendations with our patients to help free up time for other healthcare providers. Another strategy is to create a reminder and documentation system to review each patient's vaccine status at initial education of their specialty medication. The image on the screen shows an example of what this may look like, where the user can select what the patient's vaccine status is and then document the vaccine education provided to the patient. Now I'll move on to discuss a more in-depth real-world example of how a specialty pharmacist-led vaccination program was implemented at a large academic medical um, health system. This project was led by a resident pharmacist and a full-time infectious disease pharmacist embedded in an ID clinic. The pharmacist assisted with a once-a-week clinic for patients with substance use disorders and some were also on hepatitis C treatment. These patients were seen in, cl in clinic on Fridays and then went to the outpatient pharmacy to pick up their medication. A vaccine delivery service was needed to improve population health in this community to prevent outbreaks of hepatitis A and B in high-risk individuals and also due to lack of clinic resources and space. The vision and goal of this project was to implement a pharmacist-led immunization review and administration of eligible patients being seen each Friday. So now in this workflow, the pharmacist reviewed the patients for vaccine eligibility and communicated these to the clinic provider before their appointment. 
The provider then discussed the vaccine eligibility with the patient at their appointment and sent a vaccine prescription to the outpatient pharmacy. When the patient arrived at the pharmacy, the specialty pharmacist would greet the patient and take them to the private consultation room to administer the vaccine, um, document the appropriate uh, vaccine administration in the patient's chart, and then review the timing if they needed to follow up for future doses. This table shows some of the benchmark data from the first four weeks of project implementation. In the second column, you can see the number of patients due for a vaccine, and the far right column shows the number of vaccines administered that week. Now in four weeks, there were 40 patients identified as due for a vaccine. Nine patients received vaccines, some receiving both, with a total of 12 vaccines being administered at the pharmacy. So overall, this is 25% of patients were immunized against vaccine-preventable hepatitis A and B infections. So some long-term data, over three months of implementation, 51 vaccine-eligible patients were identified, and there were almost about one half of patients were vaccinated, with the other half still eligible to receive the vaccine in the future. So one of the goals of this presentation is for you to walk away with some tools on how to implement a specialty pharmacist-led vaccination program. It might be similar to this program I just reviewed or completely different depending on your organization. Um, but to assist in achieving this goal, I just wanted to share some project takeaways, including some successes and challenges to assist you in your implementation at your institution. The first success is that we increased documentations in, of vaccines in the electronic health record. There was increased specialty pharmacist involvement in population health and also leading an effort to reduce vaccine-preventable diseases. On the right of this slide, you can see an image of the example documentation of the pharmacist patient workup and vaccine administration. This project improved and strengthened the provider and pharmacist relationship with patients and further created trust in the relationship. Lastly, we, there were immense uh, provider buy-in to the pharmacist-led project. This project created another step for the provider to send a prescription order for the vaccine to the pharmacy, but they were grateful for the leadership and responsibility the specialty pharmacy team held. We did, however, encounter some challenges. As you can tell by the numbers, there were more vaccine-eligible patients than those that actually received vaccines. One reason this occurred is that the patient would accept to receive the vaccine at their appointment with their provider but then would leave the pharmacy before the vaccine could actually be administered. Some patients also said yes to their provider at their appointment about receiving the vaccine, but actually had some hesitancy and additional concerns and questions, so they decided to delay administration. Time was also a constraint, and it would have been challenging to implement without a pharmacy resident being available to review the patients and administer the vaccines. We identified that some providers were unsure about how to order vaccine prescriptions in the electronic health record, so we then created a step-by-step walkthrough ordering guide. And lastly, this project had numerous stakeholders involved from the clinic providers, the outpatient pharmacy staff, and then the specialty pharmacy resident, clinic, and leadership team. So we'll now move on to talk about implementing a new vaccination plan in our specialty pharmacy population. So let's bring it back to our patient case with Adam. Prior to meeting Adam, Sarah completes review of his documented vaccines in his chart, and during medication counseling, she assesses his vaccine history. 
Sarah finds that Adam is up to date on all age-appropriate vaccines. He states he forgot to get the flu vaccine vaccine last year and has not obtained any of his COVID vaccines. So I just want you to take a minute um, to think about what vaccines are recommended for Adam and what vaccine education you would provide as a specialty pharmacist for a patient that has a new diagnosis of Crohn's disease and will be starting on an immunosuppressing medication. So for some practitioners, designing a vaccine plan for specific patients may be overwhelming. And for others, actual implementation into workflow of vaccine recommendations and administration is the more challenging aspect. So outlined here are some steps to help you figure out where to start devising your implementation plan at your institution. First, evaluate your current state and determine your vision and desired outcome. Think about where your patients are located. Are you in the clinic? Is the pharmacist in the clinic with patients? Are the pharmacists at the call center talking to patients over the phone or providing patient actually with their medication at the pharmacy? The setting and vision will look different for everyone. Think about what you want the vaccine plan to look like and strive towards that goal. Next, review treatment guidelines for recommended vaccines. You may be specialized into one specialty disease state or you may provide care to a diverse specialty patient population. Review and understand the different disease state recommendations for vaccines and also discuss with your providers about their um, different recommendations. Discuss with your institution regarding internal immunization capabilities. Is the clinic already administering or recommending vaccines? Are pharmacists administering vaccines at the outpatient pharmacy? What do you, who do you need to talk to about rules and protocols about vaccine recommendations, ordering, and administration? And lastly, it's crucial to test any workflow changes, obtain feedback during project implementation to ensure new vaccine workflow is actually used. Thanks so much for listening in today. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Until then, this is Gabby Pierce from ASHP Official and thank you for listening in.